Hello and welcome to episode 204 of Three Beers and a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Barry Neal. Barry, nice to have you back. You took a wee siesta break last week. We invited, we had Mr Mackay back on. It was lovely to hear his voice, but you have been the stalwart through the entire lockdown Zoom world that we now do this through. So it's very nice to have you back on uh, back on the mic. <laughs> um, so we are doing this again by Zoom. We actually saw each other yesterday, but for some reason... We're still doing our podcast by Zoom. It seems we need to sort of like try and figure out a way of doing this like in person. It, it, it's, it's how we feel comfortable now. Even yeah. if we meet in real life, we still want to record over Zoom. Yeah. And, and there was a point yesterday when you were talking, uh, um, Stacey was talking about something, you were kind of going, we don't talk about that, like uh, like not off mic. Like we want to talk about that before we, mm. you know, on mic. And it felt like we want to keep it off for the podcast. So like, you looked at like going like, you're an idiot. Like you're an idiot. Both of you stop. <laughs> Just have a conversation like I'm, I'm used. <laughs> I'm used to it. I yeah. I get that I get the look and that uh, sentence a lot, so I'm used to it. <laughs> um so it's quite early on. Well, it's not actually no, it's like quarter to eight on a on a Saturday afternoon. Um we'll celebrate your birthday was a couple of days ago, mine is tomorrow. Sunday. So are you drinking anything in celebration of birthday times? Yeah, I've got a can of a uh, monster. Mule, which is a ginger beer uh, uh, addition, which is fucking lovely, by the way. So that is making your heart at least knocking at least a year. Every, every can you drink is knocking at least a year off your life now at this point in time. Yeah, that's all right. But no, that's, that can't be true, because that was true, you'd be dead by now. That's because you've drunk about 900 cans of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, minimum, you know, because I drank it pretty much. I probably much drank it since the minute it became available in the UK. <laughs> so whenever that was, uh, and then up until and then up until about two years ago, then I kind of camped down. Yeah. And then yeah, just recently I've kind of been back on it quite heavy again, but I do need to get a chill out with it again. You're so. not doing you don't still do coffee and the monster, do you? You can I hope you've simmered that down. No, 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 no. One or the other. It's one or the other. I, I've learned it's a... And even then, I've learned that for me, just one can is enough. If I right, have okay. two, the second can literally does nothing to me. Okay. So, fair enough, fair enough. I'm also not. I'm on to start on a diet coke because, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not in a drinking place just now. I've got an absolute fridge full of beer because everyone bought me beer for my birthday. Um, so mm-hmm. I've got a fridge full of beer right now, but I'll I'll get to it eventually. Um, so very very civilized we are on a Saturday evening um, this week. Um, this is Sunday, by the way. Holy shit, it is a Sunday, isn't it? Jesus. Yeah, so very simple for a Sunday. Um, <laughs> Even if we don't know what day it is. Oh man, I've got what day it is anytime. First when you're on holiday, you don't have a clue what time and day it is. Um, exactly. Well, well, start off, the good news is our, our football team, Camel Lairds, who played down in the English ninth tier, they have started their season. They played their first friendly game yesterday. Um, they lost 2-1, but it's a friendly. They're just getting back into it. So again, nice to see them back at it. They are... Season has been sort of they put the first like eight games out for the start of the season. So hopefully, I mean, you're still hoping we can get down and see a game uh, this year, mm. depending on obviously COVID restrictions and you know where you can be allowed to go and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully, we get to see them this year. But yeah, so it's nice to know they've they've started a season back. We'll probably hopefully sponsor a player again, uh, and it's nice to know that they're back playing. It's nice seeing a little bit of normality returning to the yeah. to the world. So we get wish we always wish the Camelbirds the best of luck. In their upcoming season, um, and hopefully, hopefully, do well. 
Um, moving news, do you have anything of interest in the moving news? Uh, just two small stories uh, this week. Nothing's, nothing terribly exciting happening in the world of Hollywood. And if there is, it sure is not getting reported to the uh, websites that talk about this crap. Yeah. Uh, that is one of the stories is small bill actress Alison Mack gets sentenced to three years for the NXIVM sex slave case. Yep. So that's at least something, you know. Yeah. Um... Maybe. Maybe not for the victims, it's a big uh, sentence, but, you know, something's better than nothing for her role in it also. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm based what I've read so far, people are absolutely happy she only got it three years, she maybe had more of a role to play in what this is, the sentence dictates. Um, but I suppose justice has been done to some degree. Um, mm. I'm assuming her career is over. I don't think she'll come and be coming back as an actress. I don't I don't imagine that maybe we'll try to take her up in an acting role. Not, her acting career wasn't by any stretch, you know, Setting all the light at any point, you know, she had a small well role. I can't really, I can't really think of anything else. Um, so imagine mm. when she does come out of jail, I don't think she'll be sort of like beating, you know, she'll be beating down audition doors, you know, to try, you know, to try and get or, or even get enrolled, you know, in that respect. So I assume her career is finished. Um, and by all accounts, rightly so, she seems like quite a, a nasty piece of work. Um, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, there is a lot yeah. of podcasts out there talking about it. Um, I'd recommend the Behind the Bastards one, which is excellent talking about the entire um, cult and, and people involved in it and her sort of role in it. Um, but I'm sure there's other ones out there. I think there's a documentary recently as well on uh, HBO, possibly two documentaries. Well, one, one was a series, wasn't it? And one was a documentary, I'm sure. Um, yes. But, um, so find them out at your leisure. I'm sure people who are interested in it will know all about it and you can find out about it. But yeah. Um, Alex, I used to quite like Alex because I love I love Smallville. I thought Smallville was great back in the day, um, and it's quite odd, quite not poetic. It's ironic that she was done for this. But on, on Smallville, she was someone who investigated weird things on Smallville, um, and, and she sort of became the circle. Become the story, um, yeah. So that was um, that, that's an interesting story. Anything else of interest that's crossed your your eyes this week? Uh, the other big news this week was uh, Bill Cosby getting released from prison. So that's a, uh, and it's all to do with some kind of weird legal yeah. loopholes where he's he's had done his time for certain charges, and because these other charges haven't really came through or whatever, whatever, it's like a legal loophole. He's some his lawyers have f- somehow found, and he's managed to slink his way out of it. So Aye. this is this is this is one of the things where the legal system just you realise how corrupt it is in the sense that if this was anyone else involved in it who had done these crimes is still being jailed. The fact he's got money he can pay for really high flight lawyers to do this mm-hmm. means that he's going to get out. Yeah, there's guys in jail in America right now who are in jail for weed possession for life. You know, whereas yeah. Bill Cosby does this shit and he's like, out. It's, it's very depressing. Um, and I feel nothing but sorrow for the victims of it because like, this is not an admission of he was innocent and he's, he's been exonerated. It's just some kind of weird loophole regarding how the sentencing has been done, essentially. Mm. And that's what makes yeah. it fucking more horrendous. Like he should be in jail. He should die in jail. He should, you know, now he can live a very comfortable life, probably in the Hollywood Hills, not have to deal with anything and just be happy with his money. And it just, it's, it's, yeah. um, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like anyone received any justice in this case. No. Uh, and the bigger kind of slap in the face is the fact that I don't even think he was out of jail five minutes and he was already talking about a, a tour already like a talking to her which is just fucking madness you know what i mean it's like 
you would think in his position he would lay low and just disappear and ride out however many years he's got left on this planet. But the fact that he's already like pretty much rubbing it in everyone's face, you know, that he's managed to pull off this. So to be honest, if he does a speaking tour, anyone who goes to that speaking tour is instantly go, I hope we should be, I think they should be branded in the forehead that you went to the Bill Cosby speaking tour, you know, just to indicate, you know, you know, what you did, you know. Mm. Um aye. So yeah. Sad, really sad for the victims. And like I used to watch the Cosby show, so I, I you know, we all used to probably watch it. Um do you want it? Do you want to feel it's not getting you want to feel it's weird feeling this like sort of thing for someone who you probably had a lot of love for, but ultimately he's a monster. And if he is a monster, he mm. should be treated as such. Um so I do yeah. thank you for I do thank you as always by for bringing the happy stories to, to the podcast. Um you, you've been missed. I'm gonna bring a slightly more interesting story, not even interesting, just a weird tip that I found out over the last week. Mm. Jessica Chastain, the actress. You know Jessica Chastain is? Uh, what was again? She's in Zero Dark Thirty. Um, she... Oh, the main lady in that? Ah, the kind of tall redhead. Ah. Yeah, yeah. The tall redhead is not a tall redhead. Yep. She's five foot four. Well, is she doing a Tom Cruise thing by carrying around a box with her? It must be because I, I assumed that she was this tall, leggy lady. And she's not. She's five foot four. This huh? genuine. This is genuinely most amazing. I found out that she's a, that she's only five foot four. She's fucking tiny. No, I'm not. I'm not shaming <laughs> for being small. I'm not shaming for being tiny. I'm just taken aback by the fact she is like five foot four. It'd be kind of like if you yeah. told me like the Rock was five foot. I'd be like, really? I, I fucking hell, didn't know that. I'm assuming the Rock's a big lad. You know that kind of thing. You know, uh, you, you, I have. Yeah, yeah. I have heard like Vin Diesel's quite a fan of doing that kind of sort of thing. Like he always tries to get get him to look roughly the same size as people that he's on camera with. There's a couple of moments, and um, we'll talk about it later on, and then we talk about Fast and the Furious 9, where it's sort of like the, the wide shot, you can clearly see that Vin Diesel is at least a head shorter than John Cena. <laughs> and when it comes into the close-up, they're both like sort of looking eye-to-eye, you're going, that, that doesn't seem um, doesn't seem right. Um, but aye, so I'll just, honestly, just want to think you find out in, in sort of your, your days of sort of Wandering around, yeah. and I cannot believe she's that that size. Vindido yeah. six, Vindido six foot. By the way, just in case you're wondering. Hmm. Interesting. Um, John Cena is just so what we're looking up. He's only six foot one. Um. Uh... It seems kind of nuts. Because in the in the film, there's a, there's a big, a much bigger difference between the two guys. Yeah. You still hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you fine, man. Yeah. I'm, uh, well, Dwayne Johnson is uh, six foot five since we're looking up random yeah. wrestling sites. <laughs> honestly, that, that, that makes sense. Him being that height makes sense, right? If, someone's, if you found out like next week that The Rock is actually only five foot two, you'd be like, no. That's how I yeah. felt when I found out Jessica Chassis was five foot four. I'm like, she's, I, felt, she's, I thought she was like statuesque giraffe like supermodel. Yeah, so that's now you're going to start going back, uh, through a back catalogue and starting to like really pick pick apart all our scenes to see if like they're doing any sort of like camera angles yes. or her oh. standing on boxes and all that. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm doing now. That's yeah. the, hey, it's the power of high heels, man. It's the power it must of be that. High heels. Uh, it's the same with, like who's the podcaster who the big the big thing written in the sky recently with the, the podcaster who actually was like six foot five and like built like a shit house. 
but he's actually only like five foot two, is it? The uh, the one you like, um, the famous one, the really famous podcaster, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, he's like only actually five foot two. He's like he's actually like a really small guy. <laughs> I know, he has, yes, like, yes. He has this like like small guy energy, but he apparently is only like five foot two or five foot three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he gives off this energy of like he's like, Brr, but he's like not your tiny little man. Um, so yeah, Jessica Chastain, five foot four. I was genuinely amazed by this. You know. There you go. Yeah. There you go, um, man. So that, that, every day is a school day in Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. Every day is a school day. Because I think about it, like, because, like, also, and I think about small act, like, I think Reese Witherspoon, she must be quite small. Mm. She seems like a, like a, she's only five foot one. So, really, they're not that different in height. But, yeah, anyway, this, this, this blew my mind uh, this week. <laughs> I like, see, I bring the strange stories of Hollywood and you bring the kind of more light-hearted, energetic yeah. stories. Like, and by all means, I am not in any way shaming Jessica Chastain. She's an amazing actress and I, I love a lot yeah. of her films. Just one of those things that I, I took that, for granted turned out to be incorrect. And that shows you how good an actress she is because she can play a tall person <laughs> and she can play a person and bamboozle everyone. That's true because <laughs> there's no way I could play a small person, you know? No. <laughs> no, I, I can play a small person. There's, there's no way I can do it. Uh, right, so we'll move on to movies that we've seen this week. Um, so up first, one that I've seen you've not seen, um, even though I told you to go and see it, which is called In the Heights, which is directed by John M. Chu, who directed Step Up 3D, and he directed Gem and the Holograms, Crazy Rich Agents uh, last year or two years ago, and Now You See Me Too. Um, the plot of this one, it's based on a musical written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, the guy who wrote uh, Hamilton, the series sort of his debut. Um, musical, and it's all about set in Washington, Washington Heights in New York, and it's basically for the lives of the residents of New York as they sort of suffer through a massive heat wave that's hitting New York, um, and, a, and a blackout, and um, thrown into the mix you've got sort of a love interest returning, a love interest leaving, and a possible winning lottery ticket floating around that someone wants to try and claim as well, um, and at the same time you've got sort of gentrification happening here, there's like a lot of like hipsters basically are buying up the area, and forcing these sort of like immigrant people who have been there for like say a generation who have built up the area, getting forced out, and it's how they deal with with the life uh, with, with life um, in New York if, if they can't be in the place of they've known so well. So interesting cast. I, I'm I don't know many people in the cast. It's very much a sort of Latino um, and, and sort of like uh, Afro yeah, sort of like African Caribbean cast. So Anthony Ramos, who's popped up in a few films recently, but he's also in Hamilton the, the musical. Uh, Corey Hawkins, Leslie Grace. Uh, Melissa Barrera, Jimmy Smits pops up in it, if you, if you know Jimmy Smits, everyone knows Jimmy Smits, and also Lin-Manuel himself pops up as in a small role um, in the film as well. So, you didn't see this, you're not a fan of musicals, um, which is it's totally understandable, a lot of people aren't. Um, I can call it musical. I do not like a musical like Le Miserable, where it's just like constant singing. Like, I really struggle with those mm. kind of ones, because I, 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 I need some dialogue. Um, this one's got normal dialogue people want to song, which I quite I like a bit more. Um, and this it's one of those films, it's just full of like colour and it's just full of joy and love. It seems like everything's very low stakes, it feels like there's no sort of big no one's trying to like conquer the world or stop world domination or you know, start a new country and stuff like that, and you get in Hamilton. It's it's all very much just People in love, people falling out of love, people just trying to get on with life. So it's it's really it's, it's a nice, joyful, happy story. Um, choreography is quite is, is amazing in it. It looks it looks fantastic. Uh, John M. Chu brings 
a lot of like a visual flair to it. There's a really cool one with like a girl who wants to address maker and a sort of like sort of fabric flying about the place. There's a really good one in the pool uh, to do as well. And there's one with the uh, sort of a four guys sort of joshing on each other and they sort of animate it out to each other. That's really well done. Um performances all committed, all really good. Um the one thing I would say about this one is and this is where I fell down on it a little bit was there's no show stopping tune that I was like humming after it. Mm. You know that way you can see a music going like after you've still got that song in your head. Like for example, even any, like any Disney song, you go to like Moana, for example, and you come out Moana yeah, and you're just bouncing along to like, like half a dozen Moana tunes. Even fucking cats for shit cats was, it's still got that one song that sort of, you know, is memorable. Um oh. In the heights, to me, didn't, just didn't have that one burst out song that maybe go that I can think mm-hmm. to latch onto. Whereas something like Hamilton, and um, they've done after this, which is phenomenal. There's at least half a dozen tunes in that you'll be singing like for weeks after it. Um, but the good thing about this one is you can see where this came before Hamilton. You can sort of it's almost like watching seeing a band do their first album when you fell in love with the second album. Yes, you, know, you can sort of see. The roots of it, you can see the, the development, you see how his rhyming style you know, adapts and is built and obviously building through something. So, in that respect, it's really enjoyable to see that. And I did struggle, I did struggle a little bit um, with the dialogue a little bit because it's it, there's a lot of bits are lapped into Spanish and there's no subtitles, it's just sort of like Spanish slang. So, some of the story comes, some of the nuances come, become harder to understand, but. You get, you still get the general gist of the film. You know, it's not like you're struggling completely on Sam. You still know roughly what's going on, um, and maybe part of that's mm. on me, and part of it's on the sound mix a little bit. You know, trying to figure out exactly what's being said. Also, the guys rap really fast, so if you're not really paying attention to it, you will, you will miss stuff. And then you throw in the accent a little bit, it becomes tough to what, uh, tough to understand a little bit. But I'd compare that maybe to something like Sunshine on Leaf, the Scottish musical one that was out a few years ago, where. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I understand it all, but a lot of people who like, maybe are not into the proclaimers and stuff like that might not get some of the lyrics, some of them, you know, what's been said in it. Um, and that's where I would probably put this film in. It's sort of like, I think if you're of, of the nationalities portrayed in this film, this film will mean a lot to you because of like what it shows and it's in sort of that seeing yourself on screen for the first time and seeing yourself in that light and seeing yourself in this sort of really joyful, colourful way. In the same way, when I saw Sunshine and Leaf, I thought it was one of the great things I saw because it was so it felt so distinctly Scottish that I feel like I really identified with it really quickly. So, yes. This this film is, is a lot of fun. All the performers are really charming. They all want to bigger and better things as well. Um, if you're a fan of musicals, I think you'll really like it. If you're not a fan of musicals, you probably won't like it. But yeah, if you're sitting in the middle ground somewhere you like some musicals, you're not really sure, it's definitely worth a watch. And it looks amazing on the big screen because it looks fantastic in the cinema. Um only thing I would say right now is it's exceptionally warm in Scotland right now, like stupidly humid. And this film feels freaking humid all the way through. It's set like you're doing a heat wave in New York and it feels mm. sticky and cold and warm. It feels like properly. Like you can feel yourself getting sweaty watching it. Um, oh my. So yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely worth a watch. Definitely worth a wee look. If you're looking for something to sort of to, to, even to escape the heat and maybe sit in an in air conditioned cinema. This is this is it's a good film for you. So I would give it a very solid seven out of ten. Good, nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, well, like I said, I've I've uh, yeah, you, know, you never know. I might watch it. I might watch it. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. If you do watch it. I'm intrigued. Know what you think? I think you would text me when you don't like it, but I think it's I think it's worth a watch. Yeah. Or either that, completely the opposite, and I'll be dancing along with. Yes. To Latino music. 
that could be it. That's also an option. Um, the next film we have on the list is one that was from Pixar, but it's not going out in cinema. It went straight to Disney Plus. It's a bit of a shame because I feel that it should be made, mm. you know, you know, half and half. You know, put some in cinema as well. But anyway, this one is called Luca. It's directed by Enrico Casarosa, um, who directed, um, if you remember the one that came before Brave, it's called La Luna. This, this little short movie. One about the fishermen's, like they're sort of they're sweeping stuff off the moon. Remember, remember that one? Oh yeah, really beautiful, really lovely, and you can see that some of the character designs very similar um, as to what um, uh, this one is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was also the storyboard artist on Coco, which we all loved, um, and on Up and on Ratatouille. So he's been he's sort of been invested in the um, the Pixar world for a long, long time. Um, the plot of this film is that there is a the underwater sea creatures who, when they come to the, the shore, they basically do a little mermaid and they grow arms and legs and they become sort of like people, but they don't really know how to function in the real world. Um, and there's a young boy mm. called Luca who is sort of obsessed with the the, the land um, and he befriends um, someone who's been living on the land, you know, another sea creature, and they sort of start having adventures um, across the, you know, you know, on the land, um, entering a bike race and such. At the same time, his mother and father are obviously very worried about him you know, sort of going to the land and they think they're going to get caught out, he's going to get captured and killed, and they're trying to rescue him and get him back to the sea where he belongs. Um, Jacob Tremblay has, has the main role. Uh, Jacob, Jack Dylan Glazer plays the, um, the other young boy. Emma Berman pops up in it as a sort of very feisty human, and Maya Rudolph and Jim Gaffigan play the mother and father. Um, I've talked a lot so far on the first film. What did you think of this one? As always, it's a Pixar movie. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I watched a Pixar movie and thought that was a big pile of horseshit. So it's always an easy win. Uh, this one, I actually really quite liked the art style of it. It, it was like a wee bit different for yeah, Pixar. It was kind of not the kind of more traditional what you expect from them. Uh, but that being said, it was it was gorgeous as always. Uh, mm. I thought the story was quite sweet. You know, it's all about kind of just making friends and and kind of like the kind of loyalty to those kind of friends, even through like kind of strange times that happen. Oh. Uh, you know, I just as always, it's it's just a classic Pixar movie. It's a uh, you know. I thought it was quite sweet. If I had more time this afternoon, I probably would have put it on for my nieces. Uh, uh-huh. But unfortunately, it was just a flying visit this afternoon. But uh, I, I thought it was really good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things. There's not really a lot to say about it, just because it's a Pixar movie. Like you, you could probably sit here and get right into the nuances and really pack it apart. But like, it's pointless. You know what I mean? It's like it is a good movie. Um, I I can I like the I like the story. I, I thought it was actually it did actually touch on a real kind of touching moment. I found actually see when it was talking about um, the boy that he first comes across, and then oh. it turns out that he's a monster. And then his kind of story goes along and along, and then it kind of transpires that his dad actually left him, and yeah. how he was dealing with that. I thought that was actually quite a kind of sweet story about how like he was coping with it and how like he kind of finally realised that his dad had actually left him and yeah. not just like like left for work or whatever, yeah. you know. So uh, you know, a lot of kind of subjects that like 
young children or children of a certain age probably do actually come across, you know, and how they deal with it, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I don't disagree. Like, I think it's very bright. It's beautiful animation, very sweet mm. Pixar. I like, I like the whole message of, like, accepting not only, you know, who you are, but, like, parents accepting who their children are and sort of maybe seeing them like, sort of fly the nest, all that kind of stuff. But for me, it was, like, sort of bottom, middle tier Pixar. It's definitely not approaching their best work. You know, you know, mm. you know things like Up and Ratatouille and Wally and Monsters, Inc. and all that kind of stuff. It's not, it's not in anywhere near that echelon. Um, it's more in the sort of Good Dinosaur, Toy Story 4, you know, maybe Monsters at University. It's in that lineup. It's not really at the top. Yeah. Bugs Life maybe is not going to be a little bit higher than that. And the reason for that, I thought, is because it doesn't feel unique. Um, it's very pretty, it's very well done, but it felt like there's lots of mm. stuff from other movies. Like it felt like, obviously, the story of like someone coming to land and getting their legs, that's all that Little Mermaid, which was done like in 1980, you know, and a lot of the character mm. design looked a little bit like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. So I'm kind of going, it just doesn't feel unique enough to be Disney, whereas like Soul that we watched, um, like a few months ago now. Yeah, yeah. It was different and maybe didn't pull off exactly what we wanted, but it looked unique and different and it looked it felt like something completely of its own kind. Um mm. but so do you that, think that, it's got think a lot of laughs. this is yeah exactly that's what I actually I forgot to touch on. There is actually a few good jokes in this yeah. movie as well that which yeah. I was surprised at, you know? Yeah it made me laugh. It tons of heart in it. It just didn't have that wow factor. Like when I first saw like Wally or like uh, Ratatouille, mm. or particularly Monsters Inc. or Nemo, I was like, holy shit, this is something really special, this is something really amazing. Mm. This one, I just so I can't you... really see myself, I want to go back to it at a big rush, you know? No, no, I will admit, definitely, it has that for me anyway. It's like, I've got no interest rewatching this, like, anytime soon. Right. Uh, but do you think this is a kind of a success problem because they have had so many good movies that push the bar along in terms of like animation and all the rest of it it's like they're not like uh, certain big like tech companies are now becoming a prod they're now becoming a product of their own making where it's like they push the bar so high that anything they do now they're struggling to ever get there no i think i think 100 right there i think like the expectation bar there is very very high so we all, but then mm. they trade on that. They trade on when they put a trailer for me. It's, it, you know, it's like from the creators of, you know, Toy Story, from the creators of, you know, Ratatouille, from the creators of Up. So if you're going to lead with that, then there's an expectation there that deserve. You know, you're you're going with that expectation. So when it doesn't reach those heights, mm. why it's there in the first place? Because you put those expectations out there. Um, but I think you're right. But I think it's just idea. I think there's. A, I don't think it's. A, I, I would be. I would like to say that they're resting on the laurels because of, of um, you know, because of this sort of, I would say, slight decline in quality. Because I thought they'd slipped for a long mm. time, and then they rattle out something like Inside Out, which is sort of absolutely stunning, mm. stunning and beautiful. And then they again I think, oh, maybe they're losing a little bit of something, and then they rattle out Coco, which again, absolutely stunning. So there seems to be that sense of like, like mm. they might these ones you seem this this one seems more Disney than Pixar. Mm. If that makes sense, you know, it felt more like a Disney movie rather than a Pixar film. There's Elms of Pixar in there, definitely, but more Disney. But I think for kids, like my nieces watched it and they loved it, so I think maybe it does have its audience, obviously. And I've definitely watched worse animated movies and I've watched better, but it's oh, not a bad way to spend 
the time. Um, I think it's a shame it's not in the cinema. I think the cinema really would have worked, you know, because it is so bright and so colourful and so bold that in a cinema setting it would really look amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I just, I thought it was just okay, and just okay for mm. just okay for a Pixar film is probably better than most other films of that genre. I know, or of that medium, sorry. Um, but it just didn't have that extra push to be like a great Pixar film. Um, I would give it a very solid six and a half out of ten. Cool, cool. I was going to give it seven out of ten. Yeah, so we're roughly in the same ballpark. I think you enjoyed it slightly yeah. more than me. But definitely not a bad film. Um, on from that, we go on to um, a British release, which is called Supernova, also at the cinema, directed by Harry really? McQueen, um, who directed one film called Hinterland, and he'd previously been like an actor. He started stuff like Casualty and like Coronation Street and stuff like that, and he's now become like a writer-director, so... You know, bravo to him for sort of like pivoting to like to doing this stuff. Um, plot of this film is a couple. Um, one of them has um, has now got dementia. And he's sort of in the stages where dementia is going to probably end his life relatively soon, um, or he's going to lose who the sense of who he is relatively soon. So, and all before that happens, um, him and his husband decide to go on sort of like one last adventure in a camper van, traveling through all the places they visited as. Like a young couple and sort of recaps from the sort of roots and sort of having this like final memory on the way they obviously have this discussion regarding life and death and, and what the, the upcoming you know situation means so you know does, does he stick around to deal with his um, uh, you know dying husband you know an idea of like well he's not the same person and all that kind of stuff so it's um it's a, it's a, it's a story about you know love and, and what the and what life will be you know if when the person that you love um, sort of loses the sense of who they are, you know. Um, in the film, you've got Stanley Tucci, Colin Firth, Pippa Haywood, James Dreyfus, and Sarah Woodward. Um, I'll start on this one. It's it's a really it's a really a emotional story. I think you'll probably agree with that. But it's quite a simple drama. It's not got a lot in it, which I thought was really impressive. You know, it doesn't really try and add in like a second story or anything like that, where it's like you know. They need to discover, you know, you know, something before he dies or something like that. And they don't need to do that. There's nothing like that. It's just a simple story when it's quite a personal examination of what life and importantly what death is to people, you know, and, and what mm. and I think the thing of like um, dementia is it can sort of be a living death in many ways, you know, because the person is gone but they're still there. So it, it, it really does touch on that quite, you know, quite candidly. Um there's some really wonderful performances. You know, obviously, two leads are who run it. You know, Tucci and Clark are effortless. Um, they are good friends in real life. And, and you can totally feel that all the way through the film, that they are really just they sort of enjoy each other's company. And the relationship feels exceptionally real. It doesn't feel in any way sort of a fake relationship. Um, really impressed with the direction. It, it doesn't force the moments. Everything's allowed to unfold. He's not trying to put the drama in. The drama just sort of, just sort of develops as the film goes along. Um, and also, what I was really impressed by as well, well paced. It's about ninety-eight minutes. It's quite. It's like maybe it's just under the the one hour forty mark. It moves along at a nice mm. pace. It doesn't try and you know add too much. It doesn't try and linger too much. It lets the story unfold in the time it allows, which I thought was really nice and, and didn't overstay its welcome. And it felt like I felt like sort of satisfied and, and full after after watching it. Um, what about you? What do you think of it? Absolutely, man. I completely agree with you about the way how it unwraps and all that. Uh, as always, it's it's always quite a hard matter, uh, just because 
you know, for like anybody that's in like, in fact, anyone, anyone who's in like any sort of relationship or even like anyone that's had family members who are going through any sort of thing like this, you do see the toll it takes on people round about them. It's as much as it takes a toll on the person who's got dementia. And uh, uh, it's just, you know, it's just, it's not a fun movie. You know, it's definitely... There is nice elements in it. The but... relationship, you see, like, there's a bit in the restaurant when, or, like, when I come mm. like, a roadside diner and, like, the... the mm. Like Tucci enjoys embarrassing um, Colin Firth, like he gets a kick <laughs> out of it, and that a real relationship. He's like, we've all done that to our partners, and they partner like, go, like, why do you do that? And it's like, I don't even, know, I don't even get a kick out of it, but I just, I feel I need to do it. It's like, I, I always do a thing where I always like to scare Jill. Like it doesn't matter. I, just, I know she knows it's coming. Mm. I know I'm going to do it, but it still works. And like, I don't even enjoy it that much anymore, but I still find it really funny. So I think there's, there's that mm. kind of element of like a real relationship built in there, um, that you really see between the two of them. Yeah, yeah, and it does. It shows on camera as well. Uh, just you know how how well these two bounce off each other, and it does help the movie immensely. And it just makes it that extra bit real, you know. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Did you feel that the movie itself? Did you like, did you enjoy the film? Like, did you watch? You didn't feel it's, it's a, I think it's a sad film, but I don't think it's a, it's it's not a weepy film. I don't know if you had felt that. Like, I've no. people have been trying all the way through it. Like, ultimately, I found it more. Uplifting, you know, the, you know what, you know the, the love that these two guys share for each other. It didn't feel, you know, obviously what's happened to him is exceptionally sad, but I didn't find yeah, it a, and a sad film in that respect, you know. No, and as always, it kind briefly touches on the subject matter of like kind taking your own life. Yeah, uh, when it comes to these kind of things, and you know, it's. You know, I've been a big advocate of rages about it, about the fact that we should start giving people uh, the opportunity to yeah. do that, because at the end of the day, it is like 2021. So, for people, for people in this day and age still to not have a choice about when they end their life, when they are suffering Aye. through anything. Like, look at this, if, if it was a dog like that, you'd put the dog down. You know, why, why the human yeah, animal? exactly. Yeah. And it, it's just... It's so retarded how like yeah. it's so backwards how well like that that we're still at a stage in the fact that people are still fighting the courts all the way to have like their lives ended because oh. they're in that much pain or whatever and you're like it's pathetic yeah. now you know it's it's time we moved on you yeah. know but um, I it's I like about it as well it didn't make any sort of real um, point or even sort of note the fact that there, it was a gay couple. I, I just played them mm. as a couple. I thought it was again, yeah, what it should be. You know, there's no, yeah, idea, there's, totally no about... there's no sort of talk of like, oh, how things were so hard for them in the past, things like that. Which I'm guessing, you know, they're, they're an older gay couple, so things might have been a lot harder for them in the past. But they don't don't make a big deal of that. They just let the story unfold and they, just, they treat them as just any normal couple would be. You know, yeah, which, yeah. which I think is really important. And I, and and to make a big deal about it. Would have probably would have opened it up to the point where you feel it, it would actually de, like detract from the story. So yeah, so as I, I just thought it, it, the portrayal of the a relationship was, was felt very real, um, and it does. It, probably you're the same. We've opened into a long term relationship for, um, for, for you know a long time now. It does raise questions, you know, and how you would deal with this, this sort of thing. Sometimes not the most comfortable questions, but it's it's something obviously. When, 
we're all going to live apart. Hopefully, you'll be working with our for a long, long time. It, it, it's something that you may have to deal with, and it's it's it, it's not a happy story. But I, I I was surprised by how uplifting it was to some degree. You know, just to see their relationship with each other. That's that was what I got from it more than anything else. Mm, exactly, and I uh, it yeah, it does kind of touch on things that you know everybody will have to come across at some point, and. You know, it's just knowing when to let the person make their decisions uh-huh. for whatever yeah. arises, and that's the thing, you know. And yeah, it's not the easiest of uh, conversations or situations to be in, but you know, that is what it is. No, certainly not. Certainly not. Certainly not a nice situation. Um, I would give it a very solid seven out of ten. What about yourself? Yeah, I totally agree with you, man. It was a solid film. Never really pushed any agendas. It just was like a nice story between. Yeah. A couple who are unfortunately going through a bit of a shit time and just yeah. try to make the most of it. Exactly, exactly. It'll be definitely worth a watch. Um, if there is a complete opposite film, Supernova, <laughs> then you know the slow pace, meandering, lovely wholesomeness, and sort of like the emotional side of the world. If that's Supernova, then the last film is is it? And this is that. You know, family still plays a very large role in it. <laughs> um, but um, the, the, the mode of transport is not a camper van it's something much more extreme than that so the film we're talking about of course is Fast and Furious 9 which is amazing mm. the 10th film in the Fast and Furious saga um, if you can which is pop- smashing which is now smashing box office records at the current moment in time yeah. because of this movie yeah um, if you count in the Hobbs and Shaw that was a, the, the other part of the the franchise. So in the film, you got uh, directed by Justin Lin, who directed Star Trek Beyond, but also more famously directed Fast and Furious 3, 4, 5, and 6. Um, he has taken a break for 7 and 8, and he has returned for Fast 9. Um, yeah, so the plot of this film, if <laughs> I'm trying to get to it, is <laughs> um, Vin Diesel uh, and his team are tasked with um, retrieving an object that will perhaps allow the, um, a, a terrorist to shut down the entire security, the entire internet, and sort of, you know, rain holy terror upon the world. And um, if they have this one MacGuffin device, the, the, the twist in this is that the device has been stolen or has been part of the evil scheme to steal the device is his brother, played by John Cena, um, and the family dynamics ensue between the, the two of them uh, as they reconcile their past differences um, and obviously go up against each other. Um, in pursuit of this one thing. Uh, in between that, you get two guys going to space and a fucking Robert Reliant, it feels like, um, and also all manner of car crashes and action scenes and all to get you to the point where, um, you know, where the film's going to. Um, again, massive cast. Vin Diesel, John Cena, like they mentioned, Charlie Theron pops up in it and does a mm. lot for the Beatles haircut that I didn't think anyone else could do. Um, also, you've got Helen Mirren popping up for a cameo for about five minutes. Ludacris pops up in it as well. Tyrese Gibson's in there as well. Kurt Russell appears. Michelle Rodriguez is there as well. Jordana Brewster is back as the other parental sibling. She's in there as the sister. Um, so it's, it's got a hell of a cast. Um, out there, put it out there for us. Are you a fan of the Fast and Furious series? Have you enjoyed them in the past? Uh, I've watched them kind of on and off through <laughs> right. the years. like... I know I have skipped a couple, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, but that being said, the, 
it's got to the point now where it is just kind of dumb fun and yeah. they know the audience very well because if you go back to like the original couple of movies you would almost not even recognise this being the oh, Fast and Furious franchise. Completely different you know? films. Like one to four I think are absolutely awful. Like generally, mm. generally bad movies and just not interesting movies. Um, when they brought The Rock in for number five and started upping the game from there, you know, five is a genuinely enjoyable, fucking great action film you can watch, no problem. Six and seven, eight, less so, but the stunts just got so insane and massive that you sort of, you can kind of go along with the, the madness of it all. Um, mm. Which brings us to number nine, which I think in that, guys, it's much the same. It is magnificently daft. It's stupendly overblown. It kind of is the James Bond for the millennials, you know, when just everything's just supposed to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And for the most part, I mean, they start with an action scene in this film where they're driving trucks and cars across a minefield, escaping <laughs> from, I think, Mexican, no, is it Guatemalan? Guatemalan yeah, yeah, yeah. army. Now, yeah. that scene in pretty much any other film is the climax of a film. You know, that's, that's the end scene. <laughs> This happens in the first 20 minutes. You know, this is like, this, yeah. is, this is their opening the, cell. Um, the, the, the standout moment for that, because we're not, we're going to try our best not to spoil the cat action scenes, because like yes. I said, this is the, the meat of the sandwich, as they say. Uh, but definitely the highlight of that early action sequence definitely had to be Mr. Vin Diesel driving his car towards where the bridge was. <laughs> only to crash into the pole and because the pole was still attached onto the cable somehow managing to get it to lodge in the wheel arch which I, I don't know about you but somehow either Lady Luck is shining on him at that yeah. moment in time or he has just the gift <laughs> and then proceeds to then swing across a valley and then comfortably land the car on the other side and not look like he's just rolled the car about yeah. 20 times before coming to a stop is just impressive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, like that that's that's where you're at. You know, it, it's I mean it, it, this film almost touches on in fact it doesn't always, it does like there's three characters all have a discussion during the film of how ridiculous the film is. Mm. You know, they talk about how they've like faced down like you know jets and submarines and tanks and you know, they think, you know, you know, how do we keep surviving this kind of stuff? So it's almost getting a little bit meta in regards to what they're actually doing. You know, they kind of, you know, they're absolutely acknowledging yeah. the insanity of it all. What my favourite thing of this film is, um, of all these films, is is that everyone in the film seems to acknowledge the stupidity of it, you know, and the madness of it, and like sort of like the tongue-in-cheekness of it. Like, play it, almost play the comedy, and mm. just enjoy it and you know act you know overact and things like that and it works completely it works stupendously well you know you see like John Cena John Cena's in a great time in this film he's enjoying being like sort of mm -hmm. overacting he's not quite got the bad guy thing down right he's not he's really too sweet looking to be a bad guy but he's trying and he's having fun. Charlie's thrown as well yeah. didn't really do much in this film unfortunately but she's got the same idea she's trying to you know act like a badass and it's totally fine to see Charlie's going do that. Um Helen Mirren is basically doing a Peggy Mitchell impression which I think is fantastic. <laughs> you know which is, it is just lovely. Um, the only person who's not taking it like that is Vin Diesel, who thinks he's doing yeah. from Shakespeare, which, which in a way is kind of sad. Can you go like Vin, get the joke in a way, but and also in a way, 
it works so well that he's the one guy in the film who doesn't get the joke. You know, he's like playing it totally straight. Like, you think you're you think you're doing like sort of something that can be Oscar winning. Now it's just <laughs> so well means get the money, milk it for it, but you've got to realise a joke at some point, surely. I'd like to think that uh, when this comes out, when these kind of movies come out uh, on like DVD, Blu-ray, and all that, on the like the second disc of like additional features and extras, it's literally just the whole entire cast sitting there doing a talking head to the camera, saying about how much of a laugh it is and ah. how none of them take it seriously. And then Vin sits down and he's all like, I well, this time I thought I'd put in a performance to really try and push for that Oscar yeah. nomination this year. That's just what I think. <laughs> like Vin's doing the actor's studio on this thing. It's like, Vin, come on. <laughs> you know? um, but what you must that, it is fun, it is silly. It's nice to see, you know, yeah. some of the stunt work was good, some of the actions were great. You know, the one through Edinburgh I thought was really good with the magnet car, that was a lot of fun. Um, yes. Seeing John Cena, you know, you know, zipline across Edinburgh, very enjoyable, you know, and that's it's nothing that's <laughs> fun. Um, covered the whole entire from Edinburgh, from one side of Edinburgh to uh, <laughs> the other side yeah. by zipline is impressive. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and the... And the fact that the girl who was trying to follow that fella in the Jaguar, who has never driven before, yeah. decides to pick the biggest vehicle in the street and starts trying to drive it. And I did like the fact how they even made a joke for the American audience where she jumps in and sees the gear stick and goes, uh, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Whereas most like, British people or whatever would look at the gear stick and go, all right, I know what uh, that is. <laughs> Um, um, but I think, in all fairness, she handled that truck well. You know? She did. She did. Um, and I think for the film, people who are fans of the series, there's a lot in it to enjoy. You know, if you're if you're a fan mm. of these films, you're probably not expecting, you know, greatness. You expect to be enjoyed for two and a bit hours, um, which mm. mostly you are. There is, I think, you can probably agree, a shit ton more story that's actually required. Like, there's way too much flashback. You can take all the flashback out and not yeah the film at all. Um, totally. I thought it was, I thought like, like, why wasted I thought it made a tooth in the flat keep kept it flashback out and then a written like next year release like a sort of like Fast and the Furious Origins film, you know, and do that. Because like they had enough material that they probably to build that in. You know, so I felt it was a bit mm. odd to keep you know to put so much in the film because it just didn't really need it. Yeah, you could have done it with a couple of lines of dialogue, you know, or even one flashback scene. But then you get a scene did, yeah. with Vin Diesel when he might be dying, you know, sort of like Going into like, sort of very, sort of, like almost into like a, like a heaven situation, like sort of seeing the life he's like unfolding. Like this is this is this is going too far now. Um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was gutted when he gets saved. I was yeah. actually sitting there going, "Holy shit, they're actually killing off Big Vin here." That Didn't would be that, that would be generally a ballsy way to do it. Like, holy fucking kill Vin Diesel off, but rather <laughs> than kill, rather than kill Vin Diesel off, they do bring back a character who clearly died in the last film, one of the last films. So um, mm. they're, they're definitely. Um, interesting, you know, you know how they bring people back. And I would yes. say some of the story plots, you know, some of the how John Cena's characters left at the end of it, I thought was a little bit too too quick. A little bit, you know, they need that kind of a little bit more before they start giving them, you know, what they gave them. Um, but for what it is, it, it needs to be trimmed down to two hours rather than two hours and thirty minutes or whatever hell it was. But I enjoyed it for what it was. I, I you know, it, it's completely dumb, completely stupid, but kind of what I want from a cinema experience sometimes is that. And so, I, I did not dislike it. Yeah, it does hit all the notes 
like you said, if they could trim it down a bit, because it was a bit on the long side, you know, yeah. and why they had that flashback sequence like solely on in the movies beyond me, but you yeah. know, it the was what it was. And also the stuff in space didn't need to be there. That adds <laughs> nothing to the film. That, that the what they're doing doesn't make hey. sense. You know, because hey, that hey, that is setting up Fast and Furious Ten into space. That's all it is. I think they're just competing with uh, Mission Impossible to be the first film in space, and these idea to get to space doesn't matter how we do it. We have to be the first one in space, and they, they did it. Mm. It didn't make any sense, but they did it. So well done to them. Um, out, out of exactly. ten, what are you giving out of ten? I'm giving it an absolute solid seven out of ten. As am I, a very solid idea. You get what you pay for from this film. You know, you go into expecting one thing and you get what you want from it. So in that respect, it does exactly what you want from this kind of movie. If you go in expecting Shakespeare, you're not going to get it. Ben might think you're getting it, but you're not getting it. Um, um, so, so have your expectations as such. Um, that is us for this week. Next week, we have some interesting stuff. We have at the cinema, we have Black Widow, the first Marvel film since... Uh, 2000, sort of like 2019, I think it was, was the last one. Mm. 2020, maybe, start of 2020. Um, we have one for you that I picked specifically for you, or you suggested as well, um, which is called The Ice Road, which involves Liam Neeson driving a truck very fast across ice. So take it back what you will. I'm assuming, I'm assuming Liam will be sitting behind the wheel of the truck and blasting his way through the tundra. And also on Amazon Prime, we have Chris Pratt in a sci-fi epic called The Tomorrow War. Um, and that's on, like I said, that's on Amazon Prime as well. So all three of those films will be getting reviewed on next week's show. Um, Tell me where to find us, Barry. All the usual social media haunts at Three Beers in a Movie, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. That's great. That's us for this week. I've been Richard. You've been Barry. And you've been listening to Three Beers in a Movie.